every single quarterfinalist that made it to the 2021 African Cup of Nations quarterfinals has officially been eliminated in this current edition of the 2023 African Cup of Nations. Welcome to another African Five-A-Side podcast where tonight we're recapping the final night of round of 16 football at the 2023 African Cup of Nations. I'm your host, Meher Mazahi, and this podcast is brought to you by africasacountry.com as per usual. Uh, wow. Another crazy night of football. Uh, tonight I watched the matches just from my Airbnb at home. Um, Mali versus Burkina Faso was the early match, but we're going to start by talking about uh, the bigger match, the bigger surprise. Morocco is eliminated after they lose to South Africa 2-0. Now, uh, coming into this match, uh, we knew that Sofiane Bouffal was out for the rest of the tournament and that Ziyech was questionable. That was the news we had a little last night, and then as the day uh, went on today, we realized that Hakim Ziyech was actually going to be ruled out as well. That's a big, big problem for Morocco. Um, you know, I uh, before this tournament started, you know, we previewed Morocco, and I talked a lot about Morocco out of possession versus in possession. I thought I was very intelligent and clever uh, for making that distinction. And they came into this tournament, and they played really well in possession as well. And so I look pretty stupid. Um, and they played really well in possession and, and I was, you know, questioning their ability to score from open play, but they played really well in possession because especially for me, that triangle, it's one of the best triangles in world football where you have Ashraf Hakimi as a right back, you have Hakim Ziyech as a right midfielder and you have Azdin Unahi as a right central midfielder. When they start combining, they're absolutely unstoppable. <coughs> And so if you take Ziyech out of that equation, I think what we saw today was that Hakimi and Unahi were still combining with Amin Adli. But Amin Adli was not nearly as precise or as decisive as Ziyech has been in the past. Not only within the interplay, but then Ziyech is obviously um, a poor when it comes to uh, set pieces uh, or shots from outside of the box too. Um, so Ziyech being out, for me, that was that was a shocker as Morocco lined up in their habitual 4-1-4-1. Just take out the two wide midfielders, Bufal and Ziyech, and they included Adli and Abdesamad al-Zalzouli. Uh, that's an interesting replacement because, you know, these are two of the players that you'd expect to be able to step up and replace Ziyech and Bufal uh, maybe a little later on maybe even at the next African Cup of Nations. You know, those are natural replacements. And so this was a great opportunity for them to show what they were worth. And I think overall, they were a little under par. They were subpar, I think. They, they didn't really meet expectations. Abdesamad Zuli had, you know, a few different uh, interesting things he did. He almost won a penalty, uh, some pretty good dribbling. But he's a great dribbler. But does he get his head up enough and make the right decision in the final third? I'm not sure. I mean, Adli... I don't want to say he played like he was scared, but I think indecisive could be a good thing to say. Um, but definitely not the sharpness of, of you know, Bufal and Ziyech. South Africa lined up in their in their typical 4-3-3. Again, I say this every single time, but seven and a half or eight and a half players from sundowns uh, when you include Percy Tao. Um, and the first half, I thought, unfolded. It was interesting. There was very little pressing on either side. It seemed if... South Africa had the ball within, you know, their own 35 yards of the pitch. Morocco would let them play. And it was similar if Morocco had the ball deep, South Africa would just let them 
pass the ball around from center half to center half, which is how I thought Morocco, you know, that's how they played at the World Cup. They were comp- compact, organized, and I thought that was a, probably a good game plan from Walid Regragui. Um, but overall, in the first half, it was very, very even. Very little separating either of these teams. Maybe Morocco had one or two better chances. Um, but overall, I think it was pretty much 50-50. The second half starts, and Morocco are uh, pushing a little more. But then they get caught in their shape, and they're not really pressing the ball. And South Africa have the ball. And they score this goal in the 57th minute. And if you watch how they score this goal, I was trying to assign blame to a Moroccan defender or player. I'm saying, okay, who's really messing up here? But it's difficult. It's not really that Morocco were sleeping on defense. It was more that so many South African players found half spaces in between the lines and they were playing, you know, great one-touch combinations. Uh, and, and then Evidence Makopa finds himself, he slips, you know. Again, if we could maybe blame one person, maybe it's Nusser Mazraoui because Roman Saiz is playing the offside trap. His back is turned to his fullback, Nusser Mazraoui. Mazraoui has to be in line with Roman Saiz. So Sace gives a little, you know, a half yard to Makopa, thinking that, you know, I can do this because he's going to be offside. But unfortunately for Morocco, he wasn't offside. And Makopa is one of those that, you know, coming into this tournament, we were worried about South African attacking options because there was no, you know, Lebo Matiba, there was no, more importantly, Lyle Foster. And you're thinking, ah, uh, South Africa don't have strikers, they need a striker. And this name kept coming up time and time and time again. And to be completely honest, he hasn't impressed me that much. He's he's tall, he's physical, he's a little slow, he can be a little clumsy. Um, but he, he came up clutch when South Africa needed him to. Even his finish, I thought, wasn't great. You know, Initially, I thought it was very cool, cool and collected, but then you see the replay and it, he slides it under the goalkeeper's legs, but I'm not sure he was trying to do that in the first place. Excuse me. <coughs> Anyways, um... Regragi immediately reacts to Makopa's goal, bringing substitutes, uh, Amin Harit and Ismail Saibari. Uh, Morocco are pushing, 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 not really creating as many chances as they want to, I think, uh, until the 82nd minute when Ayub Al-Kaabi uh, latches onto a cross and in a sort of spinning motion uh, shoots. I don't think the ball was going to hit the target anyways, which is which is shocking on one hand because he's maybe seven, six, seven yards out. But he strikes Mvala's hand. Uh, and it's quite clearly a penalty, one of the more obvious penalties. Maybe just number two after Nicola Pepe's penalty from yesterday. That Again, Pierre Acho. Sorry to bring his name up for a second night in a row. But only that one was maybe more obvious than this one. Uh, Ashraf Hakimi steps up, and he hits the bar, and he misses. It's one of those where if it's another player, maybe you could blame them. You could be mad at them. Ashraf Hakimi has done so much for the Moroccan national team that you can't really say anything. It's just football. And he's made, you know, he's even shot a lot of clutch uh, penalty kicks in the World Cup. And we all remember, you know, that penguin celebration that he did. And Hakimi has done this on so many occasions before. He just didn't manage to do it this time around. Um, then Morocco are continuing to push, push, push. But immediately you start to see after the Hakimi miss, first of all, they're winded. I think I recall seeing, it might have been Agir or Seis, uh, like after um, chasing back, just like completely heaving, not hyperventilating, but really like, <gasps> and then they were really, really tired. And um, they're, they're throwing men forward. 
And eventually the ball gets in behind for Thibaut Mokwena, who's a, a defensive or central midfielder. Um, Sofian Amrabat takes him out. Uh, he's sent off with a, for a direct red card after a VAR check. And then Thibaut Mokwena. All game, all game he's been threatening Morocco, I think. And the first time, you could say, okay, they weren't expecting him to shoot from that distance, you know, from from 30 yards out. And he pulled, Yassin Bounou pulled off a great save. You know, the ball bounced straight in front of him. And then the second time, it goes wide, but you see Yassin Bounou getting mad at his midfielders. Like, do not let this guy shoot. You know, we know, if you watch with him with sundowns, you know he can hit the ball from 30, 40 yards out. And they should know that. Walid Rugragi should know that, having coached with that Casablanca for, for that period of time. The last one, you can't do anything about that, right? Because it's a free kick. It's not like you can close him down and, and prevent him from shooting. Um, and, uh, and yeah, he, uh, he, he just strikes a beautiful free kick and puts Morocco to the sword, 2-0. Um, and the Atlas lines go home. After the match, Olivier Greggy says, I take full responsibility. My contract is, uh, I have to at least get to the semifinals. So, you know, I take full responsibility. We're going to get back to Morocco, discuss with the federation president and see if I continue. Um, he's, but he said, you know, the players have played great. Um, they don't deserve to, uh, they didn't deserve to, loo- to lose in this way. We're going home too early. Congratulations to South Africa. He said all the right things. And again, if AFCON is in 18 months, I mean, how can you fire Walid Greggy? Morocco looked good in large parts of this tournament. Um, there were other times, you know, in second halves or, or in the dead rubber match for them where uh, they didn't look as good. Um, but you can't, I don't think you can fire Walid Reggi. I don't even think that's even a conversation in Morocco. I think this side and this group still has um, one good AFCON in it, at least, at least, you know. Uh, for player, The older players are going to be Roman Saiz, are going to be Hakim Ziyech. Um, maybe Yassin Bounou. I think they have 18 months in them. If they can get one last run at it at home for all the marbles, uh, I think they're going to do that. And then maybe they might start planning for uh, that 2030 uh, World Cup with a new generation. Anyways, in the earlier... Oh, uh, hats off to South Africa, I should say. You know, a, a side that looked organized, in possession, were great, running around everywhere, not letting... Uh, any kind of anything from the game affect them really is they played with the same enthusiasm uh, from the first minute to the 90th minute I think Zwane again fantastic performance uh, in between the lines and, and with his running Thibault Mokwena great performance um, especially you know striking the ball from deep and playing defensively Kekana and Mvala Mvala especially but Kekana and Mvala uh, as center halves um they picked up sometimes, you know, like stupid yellows, um, but really, really great performance, especially in Vala. Uh, Modiba, Mudao. I think everybody that played for South Africa today was really, really good, you know. Um, and they deserve, you know, a big tip of the hat. And don't sleep on Bafana now. They have Cape Verde in the next game, two teams that like to play football. I think Bafana are going to be favored in that match, even though Cape Verde have been playing well as well. Um so yeah, hats off, and I'm really looking forward to seeing South Africa uh, go far. And I want to see how the South African public reacts because, for the longest period of time, you know, for the last maybe two decades, South Africa has sort of been seen as like a laughing stock or perennial disappointments for uh, the South African public. And I'm curious to see if they can get to a semi-final, for example, 
what's going to be the reaction back home? Are people really going to start getting into it? Are they going to, you know, I know they, they watch them anyways, but they, they watch them with a suspicious eye. But are they going to let themselves be taken over by their emotions? That's what I'm curious to see. Um, in the early match, we had Mali versus Burkina Faso. Uh, no real team news before the match. I'm sorry, I didn't do a preview. Um, just Adam Aguirre was out for Burkina Faso. Yves Bissouma didn't start the match. He's been sick with malaria throughout this tournament. I don't know if that's why he isn't starting or if it's a, just a coach's decision. Um, you know, speaking to both sets of journalists prior to the match, I don't think either of them were really confident. Burkina didn't feel like this was a side that was as good as the 2021 side. Um, and Mali also felt like there were real problems with how they play the game. Um, that, for example, the defenders, the two center halves, uh, Sekunyakate and uh, Kiki Kuyate, um, could, were mistake prone, um, that they could be attacked, you know, from the wings. Because Mali do play a 4-4-2, but it's a, a midfield, a diamond four with Kamori Dumbia, who's been having a fantastic tournament at the tip of the diamond. Um, and then you have uh, Haidara and Kulibali and Mohamed Kamara at the base of the diamond. Um, and on one hand, I, I completely understand why they play this formation because they have the best central midfielders on the continent and you want to play as many of your central midfielders as you can, you know. But at the same time, you know, that formation does leave you a little susceptible at times uh, when they're being attacked from the wing. So, but they do a good job of even, you know, of covering even the strikers, Sinayoko or uh, Nastraiore today were, were doing a good job of, you know, covering on the wings. And, um, but yeah, anyways, enough, enough tactics talk. Um, Mali, I thought, were on the front foot from the very first half of this game. They played uh, like they were the better side. They played with more confidence. Uh, and Burkina Faso, again, we talk about not making stupid mistakes in games um, in the knockout stages because these matches are so tight that that could determine it. Edmund Tapsoba, of all people, the best Burkinabe player, for him to make that mistake, you know, a ball just in the box, I understand he's under pressure, but he tries to, I think, kick it out for a corner kick, clear it. You don't clear it towards your, your goal. You don't clear it, never. That's these are basics of football that we're all taught, you know, when we start playing the game at six, seven, eight years old, um, and it's just it was such a bizarre own goal to concede because initially I thought Amadou Haidara scored, it wasn't Tapsoba, but when I was, you saw the replay, it was like, how could he do that? How could he possibly do that? What was going through his head? And but instead of Burkina Faso, you know, immediately responding, I thought Mali continued to play very, very well. And they would um, they would uh, go up 2-0. It was in the 47th minute. Let me just double-check that really quickly. Uh, it was in the... Yeah, 47th minute, Lassin Sinayoko, who's been having a great tournament as well. I think he's at three goals now. One thing that he does really good um, that maybe they didn't really have with Ibrahim Akone, who's much more of a static... You know, Romelu Lukaku, back to goal kind of striker, is he can make those runs, uh, those diagonal runs, you know, between a, a center back and a full back. And that's what he did um, in the 47th minute. He was, um, try. I think they tried to play him offside, but it was a really poor offside line from uh, Ubert Veloud's men. And he uh, finishes between the, 
the legs of the goalkeeper, Irve Kofi, much like uh, Evidence Makopa did to Yassin Bunu in the, in the latter match. As it was 2-0, I think um, my only problem with Eric Sekushele was that he made uh, his substitutions a little too late. He made three substitutions in the 74th minute and two substitutions in the 90th minute. I would have liked to have seen him make those substitutions a little bit earlier. And you're going to say, well, why? Because they were winning 2-0 anyways. But I just think you could anticipate after Bertrand Traore scored a penalty for Burkina Faso in the 60th minute, or 57th minute, you could anticipate that momentum was shifting a little bit. And when the momentum shifts like that, I'd like to see, you know, substitutions to um, to really break that momentum up. Uh, yeah, overall, for me, it was a deserved win for Mali. Burkina Faso, like the Burkinaibe journalists think, I don't. they're not as good this year. They were missing maybe Adama Gira today. Sangare and Blatitouri weren't that great in midfield. Um, they are really, really lacking a striker. It's one of those where you wish Lassina Traore you know, was fully fit and healthy and that he lived up to his potential because they could really use a target man like him at the moment. Mohamed Kunate is okay, especially in the air, but he's not going to create his own goal. He's not going to put a team under pressure, really. And Abdul Faisal Tapsoba, okay, is a decent player off the bench, but again, uh, they need they do need one or two better wingers and maybe uh, another striker, and then they can make another run maybe with some of their younger players like... Um, like Adamo Nagalo, like Isa Kabore, um, and Dango Watara. Anyways, uh, yeah, Somali, great. Uh, Morocco, great. Like I said, no more quarterfinalists. Though all the ones that qualified in 2021, they're all eliminated. Um, and now we have a great set of matches uh, of the 24 teams, and then now there are eight, and uh, the AFCON is uh, not for long now. You know, just 10 or 11 more days of us uh, enjoying this tournament. So uh, take a few days off. I know I'm going to try to get to the beach. I'm going to try to, or maybe at least a swimming pool. Maybe I'm going to try to play some football here um, before the quarterfinal matches kick off. So leave it at that. Thank you for listening again. Um, I think I'm going to keep doing podcasts even on our days off over here with some overall observations uh, from the round of 16. Um, And maybe... We could talk about some of the storylines from the the teams that um, are home now. For example, a lot of controversy in Algeria with Jamal Belmadi. Um, even you know some of the fallout from Egypt, for example, and them going home early. Uh, maybe we're going to do a podcast like that tomorrow after tomorrow. Thanks for listening. We'll speak to you tomorrow, and that's it. Peace. <laughs>